Hi, Victoria. Hey. How are hey, you? Hey, Katarina. Good. Nice to see you. How was your day? Good, good. It was actually good. Thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. I have three girls having a sleepover. <laughs> so <laughs> it will be fun. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Gilbert. How are you? I'm good. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Happy Friday, happy weekend. Yeah, same to Hi, you. Dale. Hi, Dale. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Hi, Katrina. Thank you so much for having this space. I apologize, my modding another space, but this is so important. I want to just pop in briefly and hit the uh, replay save button. So thank you. I'm going to have to disappear, but I look forward to the replay later. Thank you so much. And I hope you guys have a lovely chat. Thank you. What a nice thing to say. Thank you, Dale. Yeah, thank you. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. When, oh, when yeah. you guys are talking, if you don't mind, uh, I have a question for later for your talk. If you have any slides, could you put them in the save? And also, if there is any discussion about uh, ways to use this distributed way of doing energy storage for smart energy. We could be applied to the smart aspirational rebuilding of Ukraine, for example. Um, whoever the speaker is, could you ask them that question? I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Do you have a sec, Dale, to put that in the room chat, your question? I sure will. Thank you. That's a good idea. That would be really great. Thank you. Such a useful room chat. And also amazing topic. Yeah, thank you. So I put up the slides, Dale, so you can have a look at them, copy the link. Um, so you can. Oh, that's an interesting question. Hey, welcome, Dennis. Hello, everybody. A little bit early, but um, I wanted, since our guest speaker is the first time on Clubhouse, I wanted to 
give him some time in case, you know, we need to explain stuff. So thanks for being here and hanging out with us. <laughs> Hi, Z. Welcome back. I know you were in the, the intro room before. Thanks for coming, everyone. How how how's your Friday, Dennis? Everything good? My Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Coming to a close. It's already closed for you on the East Coast. It's almost end of business here. Looking forward to a nice weekend. What about you? Yeah, me too. I have three girls sleeping over my daughter, which is fun. We have our apartment. We just moved, so everything is fine now. So she finally can have her sleepover in the new place. So she's really happy. <laughs> it's the inaugural sleepover. That's great. Yep. <laughs> Didn't she in another room, wasn't she going on her first sleepover just a couple months ago? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember that. Such a brave night. Yep. That was, you had a lot of fun. They, oh my gosh, sleepovers are the best. They went with the girls to American, like, a, you know, where they have this huge slides and stuff like that, the pool with the slides and so, yeah, they had so much they fun. They did that today? No, they did that when she had the sleepover because it was the girl's birthday. So the parents then in the morning took them there and spent the day there. Yeah. Okay, I was thinking that was such a great way to get them to sleep so they don't stay up all night. Quick <laughs> question on the, on the Butterworks, on the single dad, the six-year-old, what age group? Do you look at for like a first sleepover kind of thing? This is Dale. Oh, like how old my kids are for the sleepover? Yeah, so I'm a I'm a single dad. I'm a widower. Oh, okay. Boy, six. I'm just curious, what age group is the right age group to think about the sleepover thing? Thanks. Well, I think it really depends on the kids. So my daughter is eight, and it was the first time she had the sleepover. However, my oldest son he was way younger but the friends he used to have sleepovers we were neighbors so they knew each other from very you know from babies on so i guess the situation was a little bit different and we knew the parents really well you know they were just living next door so i think it really depends on on the situation how well they know and and the personality i guess that's really helpful. Thanks for the diversion. I dropped some questions into the group chat for later, and I appreciate you guys entertaining my questions. If you don't get to them, that's okay, too. I will look at the slides. appreciate the space, and hope you have a great uh, room. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, sure. We can chat about anything right now. <laughs> Happy to. And, yeah, we will, uh, we will make sure to get to your questions.
Hi everyone, we'll start in a few minutes. Uh, thank you for coming. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to have a great room with um, with everyone here. And happy Friday. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Nice seeing you here. I'm well, thank you. This was this was an uh, an hour earlier than I thought it was. I totally forgot the time. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's an hour earlier. Um, yep. So. Yeah, we are waiting for the guest speaker. He should be here any minute. So um, thank you everyone for coming. And this will be a really exciting uh, talk. In the meantime, let me put maybe the paper up. Um, so everyone has also the link for the paper. Um, How are you doing today, Katerina? Been busy? Well, of course you've been busy, but... <laughs> yeah, I was just saying that my daughter is having a sleepover with other girls the first time in the new apartment, so... Oh, wow, it's we'll bit noisy. <laughs> yeah, it will be a little bit noisy in the background, but it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah, we can, we can roll with things in the science society. That's what makes us special. <laughs> exactly. So in the meantime, if everyone wants to have a look at the paper, um, it's a really interesting paper. 
And the idea is basically to use to use um, huge buildings. So the lift energy of um, like skyscrapers and, and higher higher up buildings uh, to use them as a storage technology, basically, uh, for a decentralized urban energy storage. So that's the, the idea of the paper, which I think is a really cool idea. So um, the talk will be more broad um, about more stuff our guest speaker um, is working on. But uh, that this paper is why I invited him. So, so it's really interesting. When I did some Googling, I was amazed reading about this. It's such a fantastic, uh, it's one of those ideas that yes, and thank goodness, this is something people are developing. And I hope we get to hear more this evening. Absolutely. Yeah. He's trying to come online, right? Like he, he's working. Great. So yeah, he will be here any minute. So. Yes. Yay. Here you are. Welcome. Hi, Julian. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Welcome, Doctor. Thank you so much for coming. I will, in the meantime, uh, put um, your presentation up. We were just having the the paper link here. Oh, to unmute, um, there is a little microphone symbol all the way, if you're on the phone, all the way on the bottom right. If you press on that, you can unmute and then we can we can hear you. If that doesn't work for you, oh, it's working. Did it work? Yes. Oh, great! There we are. Welcome. Hello. Sorry so for the late Not at all. Not at all. Oh, you're right on time. We were just chatting how amazing this work is. So <laughs> you just Thank missed you so all much, the compliments. <laughs> and how how does it work? I never used Clubhouse before. So, um, yeah, we talk here, um, and uh, I don't know if you can see on the top of the room, there's a link to your presentation. So everyone can click on it and scroll through the slides while you talk. So it's really helpful because everyone, it's not interactive. Um, so. It's really helpful if you, when you switch to a different slide to say on which slide you're on, if people join later or if they get distracted a little bit, then, then it's helpful for people to know where, where we are while you are talking. So yeah, that, that's basically it. That's the most important part. <laughs> so let me start by introducing you to the audience. And um, yeah, if you're ready, um, we start yeah. with that. And then if it's okay, Victoria will ask you 
uh, a few like broad interview questions, if that's okay. And then the stage is yours for talking about your um, research and presenting the, you know, give your presentation. And you can let us know if you welcome interruptions with questions or if you would prefer to first, um, you know, finish the presentation and then take questions. It's, it's really up to you. Perfect. Yes, I'll, um, I'll be very happy to answer any questions during the presentation and afterwards, whenever you guys feel like asking. Okay, perfect. Then, yeah, I think we can start. Um, welcome, everyone, to the Science Society. Thank you so much for coming. And, of course, a special thank um, goes to you, um, Julian. Um, we really appreciate you coming here on Clubhouse, making the account to to give this presentation here today. We are very excited. So let me um, introduce you a little bit further. Dr. Julian Hunt is uh, at the International Institute for Applied Systems Analysis in Austria and also at the um, Federal University of Spirito Santo, Brazil. And um, yeah, he is a research scholar in Sustainable Service Systems Research Group, um, working on energy, climate, and, and environment program. Um, he, um, so uh, Dr. Julian Hunt, um, he is in the Sustainable Service systems as three research group of the IASA energy climate and environment program where he focuses on implementing daily and seasonal storage energy technologies and um, models and analyzing the impact of these technologies on long-term energy planning his interests include analysis of energy systems, water energy, land interfaces, climate change risks, energy security, and energy storage. And uh, prior to joining the S3 group, Dr. Hunt received a two-year um, IIASA CAPES uh, Brazil research grant, grant to map the global potential for seasonal pumped storage. And yeah, then he joined um, IIASA from the National Commission for Nuclear Energy in Brazil. And there he de was developing hybrid nuclear and seawater desalination projects. And he also previously worked uh, at the Energy and Climate Change Branch of the United Nations Industrial Development Organization, UNIDU. And um, yeah, uh, Dr. Hunt holds um, a DPhil and uh, um, PhD um, in energy engin engineering science from the University of Oxford and um, engineering degree in chemical engineering from the University of Nottingham. So yeah, we are very honored to have you here. And uh, yeah, Victoria, um, the stage is yours for your interview. Thank you. Thank you very much, Katarina. And uh, Dr. Hunt, 
we're so happy to have you here today. So my questions um, serve the purpose of maybe giving a, a little bit of background information about you to help carry us into your discussion this evening. And so my question is if you can think back through your life to a time that you felt a particular connection to science, and that might be uh, sometime in your childhood or an experience or a teacher that you remember was impactful, but anything that really let you know that you felt a connection to science, if you can share that with us, please. Thank you. Uh, well, when, in my childhood, I used to live in the forest of Rio de Janeiro, and there are a lot of rivers. I used to like to build houses in the woods. I used to build dams in the rivers, and that was very good. Uh, very good practical experience as a kid to to know that I wanted to study energy and and biomass resources and 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 things like this. So that was very very useful for me to be more creative and to think outside of the box, I think. So you are really speaking to the power of play and the importance of play. I, I should correct myself. Um, that's a beautiful image, too, of, of a child having that opportunity to experiment and, and um, you know, just to discover your path. And, and so speaking of path, then, can you take us from that time and just maybe share um, somewhat abbreviated series of events that has led you to the work that you're going to share with us tonight. Perfect. Uh, yeah, so I did my, it, I guess I did my undergrad and and I didn't do a master. I went straight for PhD. PhD, doing your PhD at the, at the Oxford University makes you want to be very innovative and think of outside the box also so since then i have been working mostly with energy uh solutions i have particularly interest in hydropower and other gravity uh, energy solution storage generation and i have published like six papers on particularly gravity energy storage if for this one, I I moved to a new flat and I was I was moving my stuff with the lift and then the lift stopped working and I have to carry everything by hand and while going up the stairs I just thought oh my god uh, <laughs> there should be a way to you know. Uh, it's so much, it's so difficult to carry things up the, the lift that there, there must be a solution to, you know, make use of, of this, uh, this service. And I thought the lift do it, does it so easily. <clears throat> Possibly you can use it for energy storage as an energy storage solution. So the idea started from uh, my experience of having to go up, carrying stuff, moving to a new flat, and then I had the eureka moment, very sweaty eureka moment. This is very dramatic. <laughs> it's really graphic too. I'm, I'm thinking of what the images, you know, what the illustrations would be when you had, you're carrying things at the lift and then the lift breaks and then you have this sweaty eureka moment. 
Thank you. This, this is really one of our most exciting stories so far. Okay, so I don't want to stop you because um, I'm sure you have much more. And really, also, you're, I'm thinking of your childhood, too, that, well, when I was listening to Katarina talk about uh, read us your CV, and I was thinking that your, your work is so committed to sustainability and, and um, you know, so I'm, I'm just trying to tie that back and think of the roots of, of that, um, you know, realizing how important that is for, you know, for life as we would like to see it. So at this point, um, you are welcome to deliver your research and have your discussion. And as Katarina explained, then um, we can have a Q&A either following your discussion or if you prefer to have people ask you questions as you're going along to drive your discussion, that's entirely up to you. And we will bring guests up and, um, and take care of um, moderating the questions and, and that. So the mic is yours and please enjoy your talk. Great, thanks so much, Katarina. Thanks so much, Victoria. It's, it's a pleasure to be here and to share some of the knowledge that I gained writing this paper. So I'm gonna go through the slides Katarina mentioned that you can open it. So going through the first slides, the presentation title is Lift Energy Storage Technology, a Solution for Decentralized Urban Energy Storage. The second slide, it just shows like a picture of nice, nice picture of a daily sunny day in New York with hundreds of high rise buildings. In total, there, is, there are 25,000 buildings higher than 90 meters, at least in the database that we found. So loads of potential for storage in buildings. The next slide shows that there are 50, uh, more than 50 high-rise buildings higher than 250 meters. So not, so, not as many as uh, higher than 50, but still large amount of buildings higher than 250 and then the third one so this is the motivation is just showing that there are a significant number of lifts around the world the third one shows that lifts consume around two to ten percent of the whole energy of, of a building and Generally, around the world, 40% of the energy. Uh, so I'm talking about a different, different, different topic here, but then, then, then it's written. So, 40% of the energy in the world is consumed in buildings, and also in, within the building during peak hours. You have times in the day in some buildings that around 40% of the energy within the building is used in the lifts, particularly in the morning when there's no one actually using the, the building yet and everyone's just entering the building. Around 40% of the energy in the building goes to the lifts. And here are some nice figures that I took from a paper showing the number of buildings in New York. I think it's something like... The, this is all the buildings, considering even like low low-rise buildings and it shows the energy consumption within the building uh, the energy consumption 
of the lifts during which which hours of the day very very detailed study very incredible if somebody wants to do another paper on lifts showing which type of buildings use lifts and how much energy consumes very detailed work so I, I, I thought that it would be interesting to share it now the fifth slide starts to explain another motivation which is very important for this paper particularly which is the regenerative braking system regenerative braking system for example these three I, I put three videos here for you to for you guys to watch you can watch it later i'll just give a brief explanation these videos were from 2012 mainly and this is a technology from around 2012 which is which is business usual today for new buildings which gives a possibility of generating electricity with buildings so for example when a lot of people go into the building during the morning you consume a lot of energy but when people are coming down on the end of the day you actually generate electricity so it turns out that you consume around 70 percent energy less energy if you have a regenerative braking system than a conventional lift because the energy that you you, you spend to lift the people is then regenerated so it's the way energy is not wasted in heat <clears throat> sorry um i had to move because uh because my wife is having a dinner i thought you were just demonstrating that you were generating energy what it would sound like that's all we think it's the soundtrack <laughs> no i i I dropped one of those eggs that, you know, timed the, the boiling the egg. It broke, but it's okay. That was the noise. Yeah, so I, I don't think, like, given that this is the dynamic, I don't think it's, it's worth everyone just watching the movie now. What, what do you guys think? Do you want to watch the movie just to have a better idea? What's the time length of that? We can have a watch party. If we're, are people able to get, what? It, what is the um, length of the, Video. Yeah, so there are three slides in the slide slide number five. But I, I, I guess I guess I already told the story. It's, it's very basic. It's just good, you know, if you really want to go more in detail, you can watch the videos. But let, let's continue. So jumping to slide eight, that's the methodology. That's the lift energy methodology. So the idea is to use these regenerative braking lifts which already exist and they're really valuable to to conserve energy to to use less energy within the building but use it for a different purpose using for actually storing energy and not transporting people so the proposal is to have different storage sites so you have lower storage sites and upper storage sites the lower storage sites can be a garage the hall, some apartments, lower floors, apartments, and the upper buildings are the penthouse, some of the high-rise buildings, high-rise high floors, corridors, you can use corridors also. 
So any place that you think that you can store like a 50 centimeters by 50 centimeters box with one to two meters height, something like this. And then in slide nine, it shows how energy is stored and generated. Literally, these weights, they they are transported by some autonomous trays. So the idea is that no one's actually going to be operating this. It's all automatic with robots. These, these autonomous trays, they are already used in, in logistic houses like... Um, Amazon have these these trays which which are programmed to transport shelves from one side to another, and the idea is to take from the lower lower storage sites to the lift and then lift these weights to the upper storage sites. They're stored and then the lift goes down to fetch more weights from the lower apartments. In this way, you are storing energy. This would happen mostly when when the lifts are not being used. So during the weekends, during the nights, during periods during the day where the, the lifts are not being used at full capacity, because you have several lifts in the building, you can have one of them just for energy storage and the other ones used for transporting people, or you can have both happening at the same time you can be moving people and the weights if if the if the people are okay with this the people in the building maybe some of some some of some buildings won't accept it some buildings will accept it and then for generating electricity is the opposite opposite way you fetch the the weights on the upper floors and then you transport it to the lower floors generating electricity Another interesting service is auxiliary services. With auxiliary services, you 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 don't need to to remove the weights from the lifts. It's just going to be constantly going up and down, up and down, up and down, without even opening the, the door of the lift. And the idea is to control the frequency of the grid, voltage, and improve the quality of the uh, of the grid. And this is particularly interesting because the lift will be exactly where energy is consumed. So the impact on, on, on the grid quality will be even higher because of this. So it's, it's a great application of the technology. Look at slide 10. You have an example of office buildings that you can use. Maybe you can fill up the whole office building with with weights, maybe the, the the office is being used. So then you just find locations where it's not actually functional or you don't use it in your office, which you can then use for storing the weights. Of course, the weights will be having to avoid people uh, and, and the autonomous trades will have to deal with that. In slide 11, we have a graph showing the different speeds and the different weights which operate at different power capacities. So the power capacity for generation and storage in buildings, they vary, it varies from, let's say, nine in, in high-rise high buildings, high buildings are probably from 
20 kilowatts to 50 kilowatts each lift. <clears throat> so assume you have 50 kilowatts lift and you have 10 lifts in a building. It's equivalent to um, I guess you and, and, and you have two buildings, then it's one megawatt capacity. One megawatt capacity is almost a wind power turbine. The, the usual wind power turbine has two megawatts. So maybe if you have four buildings, it's equivalent to a wind turbine, which is substantial amount of energy stored and generated with with infrastructure which is already existing is is there is just being is just not being used for energy storage looking at slide 12 you have material selection which can be through the weight that you use in your containers it could be sand wet sand concrete stones uh iron, lead, and the most important thing is that it's cheap, but also if you don't have, if space is very valuable, it has to be very dense because then you don't need as much volume to store these weights. But if you, for example, use iron and lead, it starts becoming too expensive and it then it doesn't compete with batteries, for example, the costs rise too much. So I, I suggest to use sand, desert sand particularly, because desert sand is, is much cheaper than river sand. And fill it up with water to increase further the density. And then the density is around 2,000 2, kilograms per meter cubic with SI units. Looking at slide 13, this is the storage capacity, so how much you can store within the building. And conservative value is to assume that you can store 5,000 of these storage vessels in the building. Assuming that you, a building with 50 meters, you can store something around 0 0.5 megawatt hour of energy which is equivalent to one electric truck if you for example can if you have a 300 meters building and then you can store 50,000 of these containers then you will be able to store 21 megawatts hour which is around equivalent to 40 trucks, 40 electric trucks. 40 electric trucks is a lot of electric trucks and is a lot of energy that you store. So it's it's a significant amount of energy that you, 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 you it might make sense to actually implement the technology. Looking at slide 14, you have a case study for New York. You have a proposed wind turbine, wind power plant close to the island. I found the weekly visit of Empire States. So on, on the column in the left shows how many people use Empire States throughout the week. For example, the usage starts from 
9 or 10 o'clock in the morning. And then in the weekend is smaller, the usage. So then I assume in this model that the lift energy storage only is used when people are not using. And then I combined with the wind power capacity of the power of the wind power plant, which has a capacity of one gigawatt capacity of generation. And then the estimated potential for for wind power for, for sorry for lift energy storage is actually capable of of regulating the wind power generation within this offshore wind power plant with with the existing new york lift energy storage capacity but this using the conservative even the conservative 50,000 containers per building so the potential is very large looking at slide 15 we have the global potential for this technology so mainly the US and China are the biggest or Canada also are the main, main locations with the potential and then slide 13, you have regions. So these regions are, I use these regions because I work at Yaza. Yaza develops a long-term energy planning model, which is message. So for example, this green line is North America. So North America has the highest global potential. Then it's China, China and Vietnam and Mongolia. So some countries which are similar to China. Then it's Latin America. You have pass is uh, Indonesia in these countries. So islands in the Pacific. Pau is Australia and Japan. Western Europe. Western Europe has small potential because they don't have so many buildings. And then you have Middle East. Middle East don't have so many people living there. Russia is the, in the countries from Soviet Union. You have India, Western Europe, and Africa. So that's the global potential for lift energy storage. Looking at slide 17, you have the store, uh, energy storage cycle. Here I represent four main technologies. So batteries, battery is very good for storage up to one daily cycle. So you store, you have a storage cycle of one day maximum. So 24 hours, you have hydrogen and pump storage, which can work at different storage capacities, but they, they can store up to one year or more than a year of energy. And then you have lift energy storage. So lift energy storage is particularly interesting for small storage capacity. So it goes up to half a megawatt of capacity per building. And you have a storage cycle of a week. So a weekly storage cycle is interesting for lift energy storage because particularly it would not compete with batteries for the short-term energy storage. 
and you can't rely on the short term because maybe at the particular time when you need the storage, people will be using the lifts. So you need you need some one or two days to discharge or one or two days to charge the, the building. One week is good because there are there are not so many technologies that are viable for a weekly storage cycle. So that's why that's the niche for the technology, weekly cycles, which is particularly interesting for storing wind power, which varies in a week in weekly cycles. Looking at the slide 18, another particularly interesting aspect of the technology is that is to use it as tuned mass dampers. So for example, in a windy day, you, you all the these trays will move to the top of the building and then you will be moving from one side to another in order to damp the effect of wind in the towers. So the, uh, the wind blows, the tower will go to the left and then all the, all the blocks will go to the right, which then maintains the tower on its location. So tune mass damper. Another interesting, uh, interesting technology which has been proposed by Tirsen Kurp, which is a German lift company, is to have lifts not using cables but using magnets. And then you can have in one lift shaft 10 lifts operating at the same time, which will significantly reduce the the usage of of space in the building for lifts, which sometimes can reach up to 20% of lift of of building space. So you have only one shaft and you have 10 buildings going up and down the same shaft. Of course, these these don't have counterweights. These lifts don't have counterweights. They are 100% regenerative braking systems working with magnets. So looking at slide tw 20, you have the conclusions. <clears throat> so lift energy storage technology is a new gravitational energy storage solution based on the operation of lifts in high-rise bu high buildings. LAST is a good alternative for energy storage in weekly cycles to store particularly wind power. LAST is particularly interesting for providing decentralized auxiliary services. The install capacity and its storage cost of last varies from 20 to 120 dollars per kilowatt hour, which is uh, comparing with batteries. Batteries today is something like 150 US dollars per kilowatt hour. So it's cheaper than batteries today. In 10 years, it will be cheaper than batteries if you have a high building, but of course you might as well use it. I, um, yeah, the, the, the advantage of lift energy storage is that the lifetime is longer. Of course, you increase the operational costs and maintenance costs of your lift, but it will last for 20, 30 years. Batteries usually last for five, five to eight years. So you have the benefit compared to batteries. The world potential for last is estimated at 30 to 300 gigawatts hour. For example, pump storage plants has a usually 10 gigawatts hour. So it's something like 
30 pump storage plants. US probably has 30 pump storage plants in the US. So yeah, it's significant the potential. The highest potential is in North America. China has the highest potential for last. Looking at slide 21. So I work at Yaza. Yaza did a press release and the press release turned out to have 403 altimetric results, which might actually re result in the paper becoming one of the top 100 papers in altimetric results. Because the last year, 2020, the, 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 the highest with in the 100th position was at something like 200 altimetric results, which is very, very good to, to know that this paper had such a such a nice uh, acceptance in the media generally. And then the 22nd slide is just thank you so much. And, and, and uh, I'm very happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Thank you so much for this great presentation and for this I, I'm glad the elevator broke and you had this idea. This is such a huge potential. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure it would have come to you another way, but you know, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, if anyone has any questions, please flash your microphones. Also, please, people in the audience, ask questions or ask the questions in the room chat. Um, and uh, yeah, you please feel welcome to participate in the discussion. I wanted to ask you, so uh, for the future, would it be a good recommendation to build high-rise buildings? Like, would it make sense for the future to um, just build high-rise buildings so we can use them? So design basically cities with higher buildings. First of all, we have to occupy less square square footage where you know we cannot capture rain and you know there there is no space for green so should la just switch to high rise building and convert the rest into green space basically yeah that's a very good question actually uh, looking at the economics it's better to not have high rise buildings because high rise buildings consume a lot of energy, they're really expensive, they're difficult to maintain. But looking at uh, environmental aspect, I think if you if you if you have more high rise buildings, you, you you leave more more place for for environment for for you to use the land for other means. Of course, it's much better to live in a house than a building, but uh, but the environment, I, I guess for the environment is better. But uh, another thing is that that another trend that's appearing is to use buildings to plant <clears throat> food. So aquaponics, and you have so buildings in the, are already like there are cities that have high high rise buildings producing food. So lettuce and other tom tomatoes and stuff like this. So it's a interesting alternative also to have food being produced in close to the city and not taking up too much space it's yeah well 
I don't have a final decision on this, but yeah, there are different aspects which have to be um, considered when when building high high-rise buildings. So, in China, for example, they they are not allowing anymore high high-rise buildings. They are not. It's not possible to build in most of China now. Uh, U.S. stopped building high-rise buildings, but Toronto, for example, is going in a crazy the build stream, the building said hundreds of high-rise buildings, they might even overtake New York. So I guess it varies a lot from city to city, from reality to reality. I don't know, what's your opinion? Uh, my, yeah, I, I was just thinking, you know, if we can use, is it, the higher the building, the more energy we can store, or does that not correlate unnecessarily? Yes, it does actually. For so the energy storage with gravity, you have two main components, which vary, which is the height and the mass. And then you have the acceleration of gravity, which is constant. You have the efficiency also of the lifts, but the main two variables is height and mass. So the higher the, the building, the more energy stores. That's the reason why it varies so much the cost of, of lift energy storage, because 20, I consider for a building with 300 meters and 120 is for a building with 50 meters in the paper. Yeah, thank you. Um, Dan, welcome to the stage. Do you have a question? Yeah, I was going to ask. Um, I didn't hear the whole presentation, but I looked through the I looked through the deck. Um, and and this kind of energy storage, of course, is being proposed um, outside of buildings. There's a, a base a system. I don't remember the company name. It's a it's a big crane, and around the crane are large cement blocks, or I'm not sure what they're made out of. Might not be cement. And uh, when there's extra excess energy available, it lifts the blocks up high and stacks them up. And then when it wants to discharge the energy, it grabs a block and lifts it lower down to the ground. So it's sort of the same idea as this. But I was going to ask the question, um, that system can be put anywhere where land is cheap. And your system is using very expensive land. Uh, you know, any any square inch of a building that could be, you know, sold, for example, versus not sold. So have uh, have you compared the cost of doing it your way? And again, I might have missed something. Maybe you're using the existing elevators without changing anything, in which case, okay, I'd like to understand that better. But uh, have you looked at the cost of using uh, high-rise um, space versus, you know, uh, out in the middle of nowhere space for, for, for this? Thanks. Thank you, Dan. Very good question. Uh, yeah, you're right, actually. For the cost estimation for last, I take into account the cost of the trays, the sand, the containers. And I assume that, that there is no cost for actually storing the weights in the building, which which is a bit far off because of course it's very expensive to store anything in, in, in a, in a central area in, in New York, for example. 
Yes, so that would significantly increase the cost. You can have policies in order to, you know, make it pay for the system or something like this. But yes, of course, you need to take that in cost into account. Uh, the technology that you're mentioning, the name is Energy Vault. I have I have published some papers with uh, similar but not the same proposals. And the main the main challenge for this type of technology is the cost of so the power costs, the cost for for lifting, the cost of the cables, the cost of the whole lifting system. The lifting system is expensive and it would be something like $3,000 per kilowatt hour, $4,000 per kilowatt hour. Wind power is usually $1,000 per kilowatt hour. So it's like four times more expensive than wind power. The only thing that makes, that makes lift energy storage a viable alternative is because the lift is already there, you know. You just use it for energy storage when it's not being used for transporting people. So that's the main advantage of lift energy storage. May I also add to that? Um, thank you, Dan, for bringing the idea of the energy vault up here for, for discussion and comparison. That's really fascinating. Um, also, it's important to keep in mind that something that we might consider if we're talking about land as, you know, quote unquote, out in the middle of nowhere um, although that might not be associated with a high real estate number, that that it's um, you know erroneous, and that something even though we may not see the value in in land, it could be nesting area, or it could be area that is there and it's important for our peace, or it could be land that has some indigenous importance that we're not recognizing or haven't recognized and. And you know the the carbon footprint of creating all that concrete, <laughs> also. But just the idea of of it's kind of like um, Dr. Hunt's idea is is working more with the idea of infill, and so right there in my mind, that's that benefit is huge when compared um, to taking up land that might also already be used filled with wind turbines, um, but still it's. It's just so important that we think of what can we use that's already there. And so I'm, I'm seeing Dr. Hunt, your ideas being extremely frugal and, and um, just considerate of, of space. Yeah, uh, you, you could, for example, choose a, a material which is heavier, denser, so they need less space for, for example, iron lead, but then it becomes too expensive. So salt with water is a good uh, selection for for material. You can use the corridors, you know, if 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 everyone agrees, say okay, it looks beautiful without these containers, but with the containers, you know, we we do something for the environment, and then people accept, and that's done, you know. So it's more it's more like the the policy of each building that they would decide. If, if there are apartments which are empty and then, you know, the person say, okay, just give me a thousand bucks, you know, not so much money for renting the space, for storing energy. And then it's, it's, it's competitive with batteries. If they want to rent and, and make a hundred thousand bucks, then 
yes, it's not going to be a viable solution, definitely. So yes, it's you're, you're right, then completely right. It's just uh, you just depends on the the, the objectives of, of the building and the people living in the building. Yeah, I wanted to add that not everywhere we have a lot of uh, land to spare. You know, in Europe, it's relatively more crowded. We don't have this feeling of, yeah, there's plenty of empty land that we can just put cranes on or so. And people wouldn't like it. It looks ugly. They already don't like the wind turbines because it kind of disrupts the, the landscape. So adding then some cranes on there and then with the increase of storms i'm not sure how stable cranes are against um, more and more stronger storms in the future uh, so and then the other thing is couldn't we it, because the idea of salt water let's say we store those mostly on top of the building on the roof somehow and around couldn't we um have this weights be at the same time a bioreactor so during the day while we have a lot of solar power maybe um you know we lift all of these up and uh, in the salt water could be <clears throat> different types of organisms that capture co2 at the same time while they stand on top of the roof and capturing co2 at the same time and then you know in the evening when there's no solar power and people need a lot of energy for cooking and whatnot you know we would have them going down uh, the elevators somehow and so can we stack them up basically and yeah that's a very very interesting idea actually if i if i wrote the paper today i would include a similar idea which is to to have the material inside a phase change material and for example during the winter when it's warmer outside during the day you put the blocks the these containers outside to warm up and and bring it to the building during the night and then the building keeps warm and during the summer when it's cold outside during the night you you freeze the phase change material and then when you bring it up it's frozen and then you cool down during the day because it's very hot during the day and you want to cool down the building so yeah i thought about this thermal also taking the energy from outside and bringing inside the building and also using to store energy gra gravitational energy about uh, algae, I'm not sure. I'm not a specialist in algae, but maybe, maybe it can be done. Yeah. Yeah, there is this. Um, uh, was it in Croatia? I think it was in Croatia, a city. I have to look it up. There came a news article out that they started putting on the streets like you know by the bus stops instead of having the you know the, the advertisement they made bioreactors um nice. you know see through um i think that was the first city that started doing this we discussed it in the newsroom here but 
now I forgot the company name and the no, I don't think it was a company. I think the the city with the university just tried it. So I was thinking about this type of you know very stable structure, and then if you have water in there, salt water in there, anyways, why not just add those? You know, yeah, those it, it makes sense because maybe in the winter it's, it's too cold to have a bioreactor up there, and then it's just snowing and the water will freeze, and then you just put it inside the building. And then in the summer you can put, have it outside and when you really need power you just bring them down in the lift yeah because for example in texas there was a week in texas which the prices went crazy and then just bringing down once those weights will pay itself just just you know one at one time there was no energy and everyone wanted to heat up their houses so yes it, it could be it could be a one one opportunity to have a hybrid system with different services. Totally. Although I would say if it's algae, you know, it's not going to work unless it's in the sun, right? So uh, that's where that's where it captures CO two is through photosynthesis. So unless you're going to have a see through building, uh, it's not going to work in elevator shafts to put algae there. Um, yeah, we were but the uh, roof. Yeah, we know how photosynthesis works. Uh, we were saying to have them on the roof, um, and then you know you can stack them on top of each other. Oh, I see. Okay, it's also very limited. You need a lot of area, and it's not. It's it's expensive when you use bioreactors, and when you don't use bioreactors, then you have contamination. It's a it's a tricky. It's it's been it's been tried now for what twenty years. People working on this and. And it does work, you know, you can always make it work, but it really hasn't been deployed at scale because you end up running into problems when you scale it, either because it's outside and it gets contaminated or it's in bioreactors and it's very expensive. They've been trying to use like plastic bags, which is sort of an in-between thing that's pretty cheap. And again, companies have been around for 10 or 20 years, uh, some of them, and uh, still not a mainstream thing yet. So more work is needed. Um, I was wondering if, if um, uh, can I just... wanted to, uh... Yeah, please, Katarina, please, please respond there. Yeah, I guess we could hear that engineered by um, microorganisms to uh, do uh, big scale uh, bioreactors. Um, she did mostly they've been working and de deploying um, acetone production, so alcohol production. Um, and but they are and they they are scaling it up. It's actually a Chinese company. Uh, if you're interested, I can share the company link with them and they are scaling it up. They are collaborating with different countries in Europe and in the US and in China. Uh, so they capture <clears throat> uh, gas from farms and factories and they actually fueled a plane um, to like show how scalable it is. Uh, they fueled the airplane and it flew from from the Miami to Gatwick, London. Yeah. And and they are scaling it up quite efficiently. And the bioreactors, you don't need to keep um, uh, refilling. They can go for years. Um, so because they engineered the microorganisms, so they've been doing amazing work to to re-engineer re microorganisms to make it sustainable and scalable. So. Yeah, 
Thank you. It's it's important while we're here in science society that we do stick to settled science, and it is you know there there are areas that are deserving of funding that that suffer from lack of funding for political reasons. So um, saying that something isn't viable because it's expensive, um, if we haven't defined what that term means and to whom, you can if you're factoring in the cost of cancer of asthma of kids missing school because they're living near smokestacks. You know, those are things, those are costs that people seem to be really comfortable accepting. So if we're going to be discussing costs, then, you know, that needs to be done in a fact-based, data-driven manner. So please, up on the stage, um, you know, just honor that it's Science Society. So yeah, thank you very much. I, I, I agree with Victoria, for example, the Federal Reserve decided to invest in batteries and put a lot of money in Tesla. And now batteries costs have reduced 10 times uh, in 10 years. So it's a huge drop in costs. It's just because people put money on it and then the prices drops. So yeah, the cost today might not be uh, competitive, but if somebody decides to put a lot of money in it, it, it it could become a viable alternative, or maybe they will lose a lot of money. <laughs> one or two, one or two alternatives. It's always about the priorities. I mean, people always complain about growing the economy, but they never want to invest in this type of technology, even though it's more durable, as you brought up in your presentation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess I haven't seen anyone proposing it, so that's that's one thing, you know probably like these lift companies think about this, they're not going to publish because they want to keep the markets to themselves and, and, and make it a product whenever they, they, they think they have, you know, the, the right time. I'm not saying that I was a the only person that thought about this, but I'm, I'm saying that it wasn't public yet. I had a literature review looking for, I have been working on this for five years, gravity and storage. So maybe now that the the idea was thrown into the public, hopefully somebody is going to, you know, get some prototypes running, and then prove that I, my estimates, cost estimates, was okay, and then and then that will be, become a reality. But it's a long way. Yeah, and hopefully there will be a carbon tax and also. Um the factor that was actually mentioned a lot of times um the cost of uh, future generations that we are um, emptying out resources uh, of future generations and the future generations we should pay a tax for it and we are not putting that into account either if we would it would make um, everything co2 based very expensive. We are just ignoring um, future generations. So, um, if that would be built in, then we would immediately switch. There would be no question. And it's economically viable with with today's technology. We don't necessarily have to develop any new um, breathtaking technology. This can all be done. And citizens have the power to, for example, propose these sorts of systems in new building codes. I had a question about um, the refit costs 
or you know what would it take to add regenerative braking or these sorts of mechanisms to the buildings in the study yeah that's a very good question the third video that i added to the presentation which i didn't go through because you would be like 15 minutes of watching all the videos the the video shows the cost actually discusses like it tries to it's a company trying to sell the lift and they, they say they even go through the 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 returns investment returns and the main the main gains for them for somebody that has a building is to reduce energy consumption within the building it's not for energy storage of course but so you would do this switching not for energy storage because if you add up the cost then the cost for energy storage just skyrockets you would do this to reduce the energy consumption for for transporting people then once you have that you can use it for energy storage and then it makes sense if you know what i mean please have a look at the the video it's a very good video very explanatory if you own a building it's gonna be very valuable if you're just curious. I guess it's is 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 interesting. It's interesting content. A very nice video with graphics and stuff. Great, I'll definitely do that. It was also very interesting. Um, if I heard you correctly, you said that four high-rise buildings can essentially consume one one to two gigawatts worth of power which is just a wind turbine on its own yeah if you have 10 10 lifts for each one the power capacity can can add up to two megawatts with four buildings it depends on the speed also so if you if you carry the lifts really quickly you need more power mm -hmm. and then for example these very high very high-rise building people don't want to sit in a lift for two minutes to go to the top floor so they reach like speeds of five meters per second so and that needs a lot of power they also want to they want to go down really quickly also which which is so going down is where you generate electricity going up is when you store so the, those uh, those speed thresholds is that based on the average human's um, tolerance to the accelerations because obviously on the way up it could maybe mechanically go faster almost certainly and does that vary by by uh and is there in the u.s i know there are building codes and i'm sure in different regions there are different building codes is there an international building code association uh to be frank, like I, I'm not a lift expert. I, 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 I read a lot of re references. I worked on this for maybe a month to write the paper. But no worries. I these, these were just, uh, you know, off the top of my head <laughs> questions. I didn't go so much in detail on, on, I'm not, I'm not a lift expert, but yes, you have the limits, the, the theoretical limit is the the speed of free, free, free fall, which is around 120 kilometers per hour. Mm -hmm. 
in in meters per second that's uh probably 25 meters per second so that's the fastest you can go is it as if you don't have nothing holding you the other yeah, problem is the is the is your ears so if you go fast too quickly your ears starts to hurt you know and you need to to blow your nose and stuff yeah, it's like expensive also spend a lot of energy the faster you go you, you, the more co energy consumption the less efficient is your regenerative braking system and stuff like that i was thinking about that component yeah but regarding like policies and stuff i'm not i'm not really aware but thanks for the question yeah for sure uh t welcome to the stage or troy do you have a question for dr hunt I don't at the moment. I was going to comment on something earlier, but then it was, you know, talked about, so it was fine. But thank you for the welcome. Well, sure. Thank you so much for joining us today. And hope we see you another time, too. Um, let's see, Gilbert, we haven't heard from you this evening. Might you have a question for Dr. Hunt? And if not, then Jamie, I'm sure you do. I'm just happy listening in and enjoying the conversation. I know the feeling. Um, oh, we have had Eli join us. Eli, the mic is yours. So uh, just uh, kind of listening pass uh, passively till I get a sense of the discussion and look through the slides. Okay, no problem. I know this is... Dr. Hunt, this is just such a beautiful topic. It's so, yeah, it's just elegant and, and the simplicity is, is um, really attractive. Jamie, do you have a question for Dr. Hunt? Or Katarina, I think I saw you on mic. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> My app was freezing, so I had to restart. I'm sorry about that. So I wanted to ask, do you think you know at least in a lot of cities we have elevators that go down to different subway systems metro systems do you think it's high enough uh, that it would be useful to to use it there too for like public transportation and public mm -hmm. transportation system with a lot of elevators yeah, I would say 50 meters, it's, it's uh, the thresholds because then, then batteries become significantly cheaper. Even, even to, to buy the sand that, that you store, you know, sand is expensive. Even for, 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 the, for the sake of buying the sand, it starts to, to become too expensive. So if you have, I'd say the, the threshold is 30 to 50 meters difference between the upper and lower storage location. So the, the main, the main uh, locations are high rise, high rise buildings, but this, this is the cost for centralized, uh, centralized energy storage. If you're talking about decentralized then the cost of electricity re increases like three times because you have to pay for the transmission, you have to pay for the distribution, you have to pay a lot of taxes for the electricity you consume. So then 
the costs that uh, I put there, they're comparable with batteries and, 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 and wind power on the, on the grid. But if it, as we're talking about decentralized energy storage and generation, then you might even consider going down to 20 meters. I would say 10 meters is just, no, no, 10 meters, not so much. So 20 meters depends also, also in the location, which country you're from, how the tariff, energy tariffs that you pay, things like this. Yeah, interesting. Mm, yeah, because, uh, yeah, I was thinking, um, you know, Moscow, for example, has this very deep um, subway system that, um, but I don't think they have many elevators. It's more escalators, so that probably wouldn't wouldn't help much um, for this. So it should be a system that has a lot of elevators to begin with. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I wrote a similar paper, actually, at the beginning of the year, which is called Hydro power no sorry electric truck hydropower so the idea is to have electric truck with an electric battery and then you have you have the lift the sorry the truck with just a small charge enough to go up a mountain so it goes up a mountain empty when it is on the top of the mountain or in the middle of the mountain it fills up its container with water maybe one truck can carry two or three containers. And then the weight of the truck increases four times. So with a significantly a larger weight, it goes down the mountain and recharges the battery with, with the regenerative braking. And then when it reaches the bottom of the mountain, the battery of the truck is charged. And then what you do, you replace by a not, not charged battery. And then you supply the grid with electricity from the charge battery, which is, which is, this is, this is called electric truck hydropower. It receives a lot of attention, but not maybe half of the altimetric results as lift energy storage. And the funny thing is that there was a, a guy from California that wants to, that was interested and he, he, he suggested me to, uh, to join his projects to generate electricity with wood so on the highlands in around california they have a lot of biomass and they pr process the biomass on the bottom of the mountains so the idea is to generate electricity with biomass transporting the biomass from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the mountain with the regenerative braking system so it's another concept similar concepts but different it's not energy storage it's electricity generation and it's different you don't use a lift you use electric truck to generate the energy the thing is about the system it can go on forever i don't know if anyone here ever went but in older cities there's one a few cities in portugal um in Switzerland, when you have this very old ferries that go up a mountain, they don't use electricity at all. Um, and they exist for over 100 years and it still works 
really well and you can still use them every day. So uh, they, they do the system, right? Fill up with sand or whatever, yeah. or with water, I don't know. And that yeah. additional mass just pulls up people that want to go up and then you know you go up and down without ever using electricity and it just works for over 100 years so taking that into account it makes it cheaper over time it's just a long-term one-time investment and then you basically go on for i don't know over 100 years longer it depends how well you built the that's right yeah, exactly simple so taking that yeah, into that... account gets cheap over time i guess yeah, the, the, the advantage of using electric trucks is because you don't need to build the infrastructure, the the, the, the rails, the, 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 the cables to pull and to, to control the, the containers. You just need to buy the trucks because this, the road is already there and then the river is already there. Your, your proposal is, is, it exists. Uh, not for electricity generation, but for transporting people up and down a mountain. It's very robust and it can work for, for the reasons that we are proposing here. But the, the only disadvantage is they have to build it and it's expensive, you know. So, but you're right. Yeah, that's, that's also an option. I see T. Do you have a question? Um, I see that you. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Because I came in late. Um, what propensity of weight needed to be held um, for the um, distribution of the elevator energy to work? Like how much how much weight needs to be carried within the elevator shaft? Is and then does it need to be like a, a heavy weight? like a metal or can it be water? It can be water, it can be sand and water. The advantage with sand and water is because the density increase. So you need less volume in within the building to store the energy. The higher the density, the better, but of course, denser materials are more expensive. In, regarding the weight, so there are two main variables for the lift. <clears throat> is the weight and the speed that you go up and down. For example, at three meters, sec meters per second and a thousand kilograms, that is equivalent to 20 kilowatts. So 20 kilowatts to, to have a one megawatt, you need uh, 50. So if you have 50 buildings, you have one megawatt of generation or demand for storage. 1,000 1, tons is equivalent to, let's see, 12 people in the building. So it's a large building, so, sorry, large lift. Yeah, it's not like kind of the solution that that will one lift is going to solve. The thing is that there are, I, I found this this citation eight eighteen million lifts around the world. So if you multiply eighteen lifts, 
if 80 million lifts by these 20 kilowatts let me see how much is it 18 18 million 18 million that's 32 gazillion sorry that's my math sense of humor <laughs> yeah we try to make the so 20 let's see megawatts should be about that's 380 380 oh well i i, I 380 megawatts God. that's not so much actually Maybe I made the wrong, let's see, 18 million times 0 0.2, sorry, 0 0.02, yeah, 380 kilowatts divided by 100,000. So that's, that's not even a gigawatt, yeah, that's not so much. I thought it would. I thought it would be much, much more than that. Maybe there are more than eighteen million lifts around the world. Yeah. And in your in your paper, you estimate the global potential for the technology is focused on large cities with high rise buildings, and is estimated to be around thirty to three hundred gigawatt hours. That's yeah, it's gigawatt hours. So that's the amount of energy that you can store. We're talking about the amount of energy that you, you, the power capacity, how much energy you can generate at a certain time. So the storage, you just need to, you know, fill up the spaces in the building, and that's that's the potential. It's Thirty to three hundred gigawatts hour. But then it might take a long time to to carry this this weight up and down. So maybe in one week you won't be able to bring all this weight up and down. You might need more time. Yeah, or, or maybe this reference for the number of lifts is not correct. I'm not sure. One of the one of the two. You also estimate the cost to, to be twenty one dollars to one hundred and twenty eight dollars per kilowatt hour, which is pretty comparable today to um, battery storage. Uh, you know, it's it's getting down below one hundred dollars now, and probably on its way down to the twenty to fifty dollar range. So it'll be sort of the same price range, but batteries can operate 24 seven, where if I understand your system correctly, this is more at night when the building isn't being used much or on weekends and things like that. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The idea is to use it when it's not being, um, the user for any storage, when it's not being used for transporting people. I'm, I'm quite intrigued about this. I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll have a, a look when, when we finish to try to see the actual power capacity. Because if, if we, as I mentioned, if we have four buildings, each building has 10 lifts. So let's put it, let's put that each, each lift has 50 kilowatts, 50 kilowatts times 10 times four there's two megawatts. So how, how come the global potential is only 360? There's something weird in there. I, I need to check. But yes, the idea is that having 
all the lifts in a country going up when when you when you need to store and going down then then the impact is significant one lift is not going to solve it might solve the problem of the building itself you know the person that's actually getting the benefits but not for the whole country i'm interested in extending that principle to um, mining because there's so much um you know when you're on mining sites and it's uh, petroleum driven diesel driven the idea of having uh, battery storage for things going down into the mines and coming out of the mines it's um it extends beyond the high rises yeah you're, you're right t uh there is actually one company in switzerland which have trucks dump trucks running on batteries and they don't need to charge because because they when they come down with the weights of the mines the so the the ore and the, and the resources the weight when it goes down is higher than the weight when it go up so for all the transportation horizontally it pays off the vertical descent and it turns out that the the truck never has to to charge maybe sometimes it, it even has too much energy and it has to release energy to the grid another proposal from from australia which actually was at the pretty much at the same time as i released the paper on hydroelectric truck uh, electric truck hydropower it was to have a, a train that transports ore down a mountain and generates electricity also. So yes, these this these proposal have actually been considered it has been implemented in Switzerland is is considered to be implemented in Australia. So good good idea. Have you taken into account um, the dead weight that you're going to have to move in like because an elevator might have counterweight and, and, and has other things so like in a in a pure lift energy system like the one uh, the, the crane with the blocks there really isn't anything mm -hmm. else it's just the cables and the motor and then the blocks and that's it but when you're putting uh, wet sand into an elevator um, of course you can use the weight of the elevator as you know part of the weight but you also have a counterweight you have all this other stuff that's there and I'm assuming that's a loss of efficiency since you have to use energy to accelerate this mass on the other side. Did you take that into account in your calculations? Uh, yeah, usually a lift is designed to have the counterweight e equal to, to the weight of the lift times the half of the capacity that can go into the lift. So that is not so difficult to pull up the lift and it's not so difficult to bring it down. So of course, yeah, so this is the dead weight. The dead weight is particularly is a difference between the counterweight and the lift at a particular time, depending on the load in the lift. I didn't take it into account like this. I just, I just assumed an efficiency of 80% for going up and down. And I assume it to be a good value Ref references says assume efficiency lift efficiencies taking into account the dead weight of 
80%, 70%. So yeah, I didn't go to the detail of going through the dead weight. But good question. Good question, but uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do that. Yeah, I wanted to add that, um, you know, we have a instability of um, huge grid systems uh, due to climate change and more storms um, that kind of disrupt uh, the energy supply and, you know, huge hurricanes um, disrupted energy, for example, here in New York City for when the last big one hit for quite some time. Um, and... I think it's also a way to have kind of a microgrid independence that you could have um, as a safety net, basically, uh, because, yeah, huge cities are hard to maintain, if, you know, because of a storm or something. There's absolutely no energy, um, and it's also hard to yeah, to basically survive for a long time in a huge city without any energy. So I, I think for this microgrid idea, I know it's more expensive, but we just have to deal with a future impact of climate change. And I think this would also like be very useful in that way to basically have a backup system and not use like... I mean, you for sure also need generators, but um, to have like an additional backup system, I think that would be also interesting from a microgrid perspective and resilience. Yeah, increases the resilience and robustness of the system, decentralized energy storage, so solar panels, uh, batteries, uh, lifts, lift energy storage technology yeah i agree with you and that's Definitely. how human cells do it why can't we apply this at scale to our buildings <laughs> so each cell has sense. its own energy storage and electricity generation is that the case yeah i mean until now was you know before it was really not um, scalable in the way to make it affordable for everyone throughout history but I think with renewable energy you know you have your little wind turbines around the building you have solar panels uh, you could have thermal energy from the ground if you combine all of these and add that battery system I think you can generate a microgrid that's quite resilient like maybe not one you know not 100% independent but at least run the essentials also in case of catastrophes that will just happen more and more. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I Dr. Julian. Yeah. Please, please. Uh, I, I had a separate question. So if you answer that first. Who has a question? Oh, sorry. Um, I was asking if um, ram pumps um if they make this more financially efficient or if it's a over expenditure rain pumps ram pumps hydraulic rain ram pump? pumps ram oh i see uh 
I I don't actually know what hydraulic ram pumps are. Can you describe, please? Um, I, I think if you just do a Google search on ram pump and then look at the uh, the physics of that, um, okay. you'll you'll get a much better explanation than from me. Okay, awesome. Thanks. Um, yeah, so there are there is an option of of bringing. I mean, you pump water up, and when you when you use the water, you have wastewater. You bring the water down. You could use, for example, a turbine generates electricity by bringing it down the building. I'm not sure if this is. Uh, actually happening i think you know when, when the water comes down it has waste it has solids and it's difficult to to have a <clears throat> a turbine operating with solid waste to, to generate electricity one option is to just you know store put all these waste in a container and bring down the lift but you know it's going to stink the, the lift so it's not uh, an ideal solution to to use the lift to do that. So yeah, you could have maybe this ramp pump. I don't know if that's what you mean to generate electricity by the water going down the building. Is that what you mean? It's just uh, the ramp pump is something that they typically use on farms to pull water up hills without using electricity um, but it's at you know very very low capacity but it's constant um, but just building that into the elevator system it's it's puzzling to me because we have so many buildings with lifts all over the world that already exist that don't need to be built and the idea that we would be trying to find rationale to do anything but move forward in this effort is um is really what i find puzzling <laughs> thanks victoria i hope so too it, it takes it takes time you know to to people to for, for the idea to sink down and and you know somebody that's an entrepreneur i'm not gonna do it I, i'm a researcher you know I, I don't my building doesn't have regenerative braking system i didn't patent the idea so yeah if somebody can go and use it also it's just free anyone can use it so yeah i hope so too i hope so somebody is gonna at least test maybe it's a terrible idea but hopefully it works it, it seems like one of those ideas that it's like that's astounding because it's been staring us in the face for so long um you know people talk about building structures in order to have a weighted battery system and then everybody ignores the idea of these elevator spaces all around the world. Um, I'm just giving it time to sink in. Yeah, that's what it feels like, Troy. It's exactly what it feels like. It's, it's been staring us in the face. And here comes Dr. Hunt to spell it out for us. So, But I think what we're also seeing is, is part of the pushback that you may encounter. Um, but I hear that you are not the entrepreneur, but still... Um, you know, it's important for you to secure funding and, and, um, and for those who are trying to secure funding for this, 
you know, there's a tremendous lobby against sustainable energy at all. And, and um, oh, yeah. we just hear all the devil's advocates surfacing and um, it'd be beautiful to put our energy behind this, this as a resource. Eli, how are you doing over there? You usually are asking something really interesting, so I'm sorry I'm prodding you if it's before you're ready. <laughs> uh, still, still kind of taking it, and I, you know, I kind of thought that uh, uh, elevators would be optimally counterweighted, and most of the energy was already being recovered for like the next time somebody used the elevator. So I'm a, a bit surprised, but well, maybe I shouldn't be so surprised. But uh, anyway, it's it's interesting that this opportunity exists. Though, though, additionally, I would kind of um, uh, question whether, um, you know, simply uh, supplying back into the grid um, uh, from regenerative braking uh, might not also make sense to the extent that uh, um, that's that's uh, you know in in terms of load balancing that works out favorably. Yeah, the, this this regenerative braking uh, lift is is already a benchmark technology that supplies the, the energy load for the building. In the presentation that. I, I share with you guys, they, it has three videos explaining how the regenerative braking system works and it's very self-explanatory. One of the, one of the, the videos tried to even shows the economics of switching your, your lift from a conventional lift to a regenerative braking lift. And, the, and they claim that that's, the building will will save seventy percent in energy because you you got a lot of people up in the, in a building let's say two thousand people and and they have a considerable weight when you bring them down if you don't have a regenerative braking system the the lift is just going to apply brakes and that energy that you lift in during the morning will turn into heat and it will be wasted. So that's already a product which is available in the market. Uh, a handful of companies providing the service for regenerative braking lifts. So the idea is just to use this and 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 transport blocks of sand up and down the the lift. So that's the only suggestion that I made. It's nothing like too. Uh, innovative but it's it's one one thing that hasn't been proposed before and, and, and um as eli mentioned and of course as you mentioned earlier that the counterweight is 50 percent of the load and that means when you put a full load of sand in uh, it will be one half of the one half of the uh, elevator's capacity will be uh, uh, gravity weight as opposed to balanced weight. Uh, did you take that into account or did you assume the full load going down would generate energy? Like half, you know, half the weight or, or the full weight? Yeah, but the, so the, the counterweight and the lift, the balance between them 
it will it will it will be equal to zero if you go up and down if you if you close the cycle because you're gonna lift the counterweight and lower and you're gonna lift the lift and lower so so it's not that you're gonna waste this energy this energy is not gonna be wasted it's just going to be moved by by the motor pulling up and down the the waste that you have in the that you have the efficiency losses is in the motor is in the air drag of the counterweight of the lift uh maybe transforming uh, so the motor the generator you have and the lifts uh the drag so the the fact that you're talking about this the dead weight the dead weight it doesn't it doesn't have uh, an overall impact on the efficiency of the building itself. But I, but I think it does, because let's just take an example that you put in half a load instead of the full load. And then you just like, and everything's perfect and frictionless. The load will just sit there in the elevator and nothing would move. You wouldn't generate any energy, right? It's not until you put mm -hmm. the second half of the load in that the elevator starts going down and you generate energy. And I think the same is true going up the other way. Um, you, you put in half a load at the bottom and you want to lift it up and uh, it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to move be, uh, until you, know, you put energy in, obviously, to, to lift it. Um, but if it got to the very top and you just turned off everything and wanted it to go down, it wouldn't go down. It would just sit there because it's balanced. I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I just can't uh, figure your your argument out without actually, you know, putting all the equations down and 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 thinking about this. I know what you mean, but it just doesn't doesn't sink in the that this difference in counterweight of of the lift and the counterweight will have such a hat a significant impact on the efficiency of the system. You might do, yeah, yeah. but I'm not sure. Actually, in order for you to generate electricity, to store and generate electricity, the lift has to go up and down, up and down, up and down four times. So because it, it, you need to go down and go fetch the the way to go up and then and then go down. No, sorry, just, you know, just twice. Sorry, guys, I'm really tired, actually. It's it's half past 10, and I have to go to Berlin, to, uh, to Germany tomorrow. I'm taking a flight early in the morning tomorrow. <clears throat> I have a conference in Sally, then I go to Vienna. I have been working for from Brazil for three years now. I'm going to visit Yaza next week so i i haven't packed actually i need to to print my check um check-in flights and stuff like this and you know make sure that i don't forget my password passport at the moment i i can think much more so i'll probably forget something. <laughs> we are so grateful for you yeah. don't you you gave us so much time you don't have to you know oh, you know, explain us any, but 
thank yeah. you so much for explaining this, for doing this amazing work and for following, you know, your path of these ideas and publishing it. Um, you know, it takes a lot of effort and, um, yeah, thank you for doing this with your life, you know, <laughs> working on these problems and uh, trying to help humanity. Um, so, you know, we all thank you and for your time and for sharing. This was a very interesting discussion. I really enjoyed it very much and um, have a safe travel and good luck. Are you are you going to work back in Austria or Germany again or? You just uh, no, I'll, I'll travel for two weeks. I have two kids living in Brazil. Uh, I might go to Saudi Arabia, actually. I might work at Kaust because, you know, they pay significant amount of money. And I don't know, maybe a shift in life. My my, my previous boss at Yaza invited me to go to Saudi Arabia. So I might go to Saudi Arabia. Oh, I have but, a friend uh, working there in research, but that's biology. But um, not in Kaus, but in Saudi Arabia. I have to check again where exactly which institute is working. But he seems to like it. He moved from Portugal with his two daughters and his wife there. They look happy on the pictures. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vienna is, is, is good. Yaza is great, but they don't pay so much. And, you know, have family, wife, kids. A lot of demands, so maybe Saudi Arabia. I, I love Vienna. It's my favorite town, like one of my favorite cities in Europe. I'm sorry for the noise. I have a sleepover with my daughter. Yeah, I, lo I love Vienna also. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, the pay is not good. I agree. <laughs> maybe when, when the price of oil goes down, goes down to $20 per, per barrel, I'll, I'll come back to Brazil. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so you're from sao paulo yeah I, uh, yeah I had i'm from rio but i'm living oh, in porto alegre porto alegre is close oh. to uruguay it's very cold here now we don't have yeah, russian rich. gas so friends of mine were living in porto alegre but now they came it's back freezing to... yeah it's cold well it's much more comfortable to live in vienna vienna is minus 15 but at least you have russian gas here we have to freeze there's no there's no cheap energy solution for There's heating. Central um, heating in the buildings in Portugal, same thing. It's much colder. Yeah, we have heat, heat pumps. Oh, okay. But the heat pumps, they they heat up the, the roof. They don't heat up the floor, you know. And we live in the floor, so <laughs> it's not very efficient. Well, guys, it was it was great talking to you. Thanks so much for the questions, for your contributions, and and it very intrigued me a lot with your questions. Then I'll I'll go through the equations and maybe I'll I'll do a write another paper uh, explaining that lift energy storage might not be the best solution, but hopefully not. Hopefully I I, I will come up to that conclusion. But uh, yeah, anyway, it was great meeting you and hopefully I'll join you in the next discussions, yes. next presentations. And Dr. Yeah, Han, by the way, very innovative thinking. Very, very innovative, thank you. Mm, Dr. Hunt, there are several people who have thanked you in the chat, in the room chat, and also you can see the, listen to the replays and you can read the room chat at, a, you know, at your convenience if you'd like to. So safe travels, thank you for being so patient with us and so generous. 
and for all of your life of work and and um, best to you and your family. Thank you so yep. much. Bye bye, guys. Bye. bye. Thanks, Julian. Bye. Bye. Thank bye. you, friends, for being here. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Um, if you like uh, discussions like this, follow the club. Uh, we will have more uh, guest speakers coming next week. Um, and we will have on Sunday the recap room. If you missed rooms on guest speakers uh, throughout the week, we'll give a short summary um, and share the paper links again. Um, so uh, it's usually kind of rewarding to see everything we learned throughout the week, which is usually a lot. Um, and to give you a little bit of a preview, um, so uh, on Monday we have Dr. Garcia Ruiz. Uh, she will talk about the evolution of cooperative breeding. So basically, um, if there's an evolutionary pressure for cooperation, and uh, it's a really interesting recent paper she published and. It will be really interesting. Then we'll have also on Monday evening, Dr. Enright, and he um, is looking for forest microbes that can survive mega fires. You know, there's more and more mega fires due to climate change, and it's really important for microbes to survive them. Uh, and yeah, he he's working on that and made some really interesting discoveries that he published recently. And then we'll have Dr. on Tuesday, Dr. Manuguri and Dr. Risi, uh, the first and the last author of the paper, where they are creating colors using gold and DNA. Um, this will be really interesting. Um, they will uh, they use DNA DNA engineered hydrogels to create different colors with gold. It's, I think it's just fascinating and really cool. And um, yeah, whole new world for artists maybe one day, let's see. Um, yeah, and we will have many more about a microbiome with synthetic biology combining that. Uh, uh, we will have a follow-up room on quantum cr time crystals. Uh, we had uh, the senior scientist here, uh, Pedro, uh, from Google, um, talking about the first bigger nature paper uh, around uh, time crystals. And now we have a group from the UK that is coming to talk about how they use two quantum time crystals and look at the nonlinear dynamics of the two interacting, which will be really cool. And we'll have a rejuvenation human cell room. And um, and Dr. Pacucci and Dr. Dayal spotted the farthest galaxy ever. And uh, they will talk about um, their discovery and, uh, and what they know about that farthest galaxy ever. So will be another interesting week, something to look forward around this mess of this world. So if you like that and forget a little bit about everything else going around in the world and just focus on interesting science, come back and thank you so much everyone for being here and asking great questions okay we'll close the <laughs> excuse me i didn't hear uh, just thanking you Katarina. oh thanks cool
Bye, everyone. Three, two, one. Bye.